Hi, and welcome to the first episode of the Laudable Pursuit Podcast, a collaborative Masonic education for those seeking light. I'm Nate Warren. I'm Jason Marshall. And I'm Matt Anthony. And tonight we hope to delve into the world of Masonic podcasts and hopefully share some light with you. My name is Jason Marshall, and I am a past master of Lodge Veritas number 556 in Norman, Oklahoma. I am also a past high priest of Chapter Veritas, uh, Sovereign Master of AMD. I'm also active in the uh, Scottish Rite, the Guthrie Valley, and I started the Laudable Pursuit Project in 2014 as a way to gather uh, brethren from around the country to share more of the transformative and spiritual aspects of our fraternity, which seems to be somewhat underrepresented in some of the Masonic discussion that is generally out there on Facebook, social media, and e-Masonry in general. And in 2015, earlier this year, we decided to do a relaunch and brought on board Matt and Nate to kind of expand the project into the podcast you're hearing tonight, as well as a reboot of the website. And we hope to have uh, several other projects come down the pipe in the future. Hi, I'm Matt Anthony. I'm also a past master of Veritas Lodge, uh, number 556 in Norman, like Jason and uh, Nathan. I'm also a member of the Scottish Rite and various other bodies. Earlier this year, Jason had asked me to come on board to help redesign the website. Uh, I've had a lot of fun doing that and also getting uh, some of the images created in the Gallery of Light on our website. Uh, I'm also kind of the technical guy behind the TLP, helping with the uh, technical aspects of the podcast. And I'm really looking forward to this new endeavor. And I'm Nate Warren. I'm also a member of Veritas Lodge, number 556, and the Guthrie Valley of Scottish Rite. I came into the Laudable Pursuit Project a few months ago um, with the idea that I wanted to focus on a deeply personal and spiritual experience, one that I find to be extremely important in Masonry. I experienced these things, and it's hard to communicate those kinds of things to people um, just in conversation. Um, It can happen, but it's rare, and it takes a very unique circumstance to make that happen. With a lot of pursuit, I find that I can push those things out there, and the people who want to experience those things will find them. We're coming to you tonight from the Cigar Lounge at the Guthrie Scottish Rite Temple. Um, This is a place that's very special to me, not just because I like cigars, but because this is a place where intimate and brotherly conversations can happen. Yeah, this is our favorite hangout during the Scottish Rite reunions, and it's a great place to hang out, enjoy a fine cigar and a fine spirit as well. For example, tonight I'm smoking a nice uh, Rocky Patel Renaissance cigar and enjoying a glass of Texas bourbon whiskey from the Firestone Distillery, and I'm looking forward to some fine Masonic conversation. So, the Laudable Pursuit, that's the name of our organization, but what does it really mean? One of the things that I wanted to uh, distinguish from the very beginning was just because we are called the laudable pursuit it does not mean that our body of work is the laudable pursuit i think it's very important that we set aside from the very beginning the perception that what we're doing is the path it's not it's just 
this is my overflow that I don't have anywhere else to put it and this is a good place. I don't want anybody to think that if they're doing something different or even similar that because they're in line with us or different than us that they're on a correct or incorrect path. The title of the group is The Laudable Pursuit, but all of our pursuits are individual, and as long as they remain pure, then they are laudable. I think that really mirrors what I was thinking of when I came up with the name The Laudable Pursuit. I had been kicking around the idea for about two years to start some sort of a Masonic education website, and it was at a meditation retreat that the Academy of Reflection puts on, which is a group in the Guthrie Scottish Rite Valley. And there's a, at the beginning of January, we do a three-day silent meditation retreat. And it's kind of funny that a technology-based project would come out of a weekend where you have no phone and you can't talk to anybody. <laughs> but uh, I remember doing one of the meditations, I, I, I kind of thought back to the Inner Prince degree where you're asked, you know, what you seek and you're seeking Masonic light and you're informed that that is a laudable pursuit. I thought to myself that that's a perfect name for a collaborative process. Cause as Nate said, we're on individual uh, paths, but we're also in a collective path as well, because we're here to aid and assist our brothers on our paths. We're not here to change anybody's path, tell somebody that this is the correct path. We have our own light and then we add our, individual lights to the collective light. And that's really, I think, what the goal of the Lullaby Pursuit, both the website and the podcast will be, which is just exploring the past and trying to add light, individual light to the collective light. For me, the Lullaby Pursuit is, it's a, uh, besides being a spiritual and uh, intellectual outlet, it's primarily for me, it's a creative outlet. I really love the creative process and it's a large part of what I do for a living. And to be able to finally channel that into a Masonic outlet is, is something I'm really, truly and sincerely excited about. And that's the whole point of this, I think, is that we take the things that we feel or see or, or believe and they well up inside of us to the point that we can't contain them. And I think if we did, we would be negligent. Not to say that I'm any sort of adept or or worthy of sharing what I've got, but I, I think that it, it it's all of our responsibilities to share that um, because whatever you feel, whatever you think, whatever you interpret is valid because it's yours. And to me, it really challenges what you believe, what you think, the way you feel if you can make it public because then it's real. Um, you can think and feel a lot of things in secret, but when you put it out there for everybody and you proclaim it, it actually reinforces and changes the way you feel internally. And I think it's a very good way to work through some things and figure out where you stand um, or where you want to stand and how to get there. And so that's the purpose of this podcast is to share conversationally, hopefully in a relaxed way, um, some of the things we're thinking or feeling or even find interesting in masonry. I hope that our podcast 
will take on a spiritual tone, not to say religious, but to find that more primal interpretation of masonry into our lives and into our emotion, into our thinking. So as a podcast, there's a lot of podcasts. Are we different? What I think will be different about the Laudable Pursuit podcast and kind of what I think we have all in mind moving forward with this is that there are things that we love about all the Masonic podcasts. Each of them brings their own unique thing. Some podcasts are more academic. Some focus on current events within uh, Masonry. We enjoy them all. We hope that we are able to bring something not necessarily better, but something different to the world of Masonic podcasting. A little bit of everything while still our, our primary focus being more on the spiritual and contemplative side of masonry, we also would like to explore some other things, um, from Masonic art to music, and explore masonry on a personal level through our own unique perspective. And I think that's really important. Um, I'm nobody special. I'm just me. I'm just a regular guy. And so are you, no offense. And so is Jason. Um, I take offense. <laughs> <laughs> but that's real. And I'm a regular guy like everybody else is a regular guy. And in that, even though we're completely different, I've never met them, we're going to connect. Because I hope that there's no pretense, there's no polish, it's very raw. Uh, I just want this to be a very personal experience. And I hope that people can identify with us or at least empathize. That's one of the things that I think i'm going to really that i've really enjoyed up to this point i think i'll enjoy in the future about the laudable pursuit both the website and the podcast is more of the personal level of it i have an academic background as far as my education goes and i has have also written extensively for various publications and it's always very polished and it's very formal and i think for the laudable pursuit both the website and the podcast allows you to kind of take off some of the polish and be more personal be more real and discuss things on how it masonry effect for me i would like to focus on how masonry affects me personally and both you know spirit spiritual level and you know all aspects of my life mm. and that's you know when you drop the mask which i hope we're able to do when you can do that and just cut down to who you really are. And if I can truly show that to you, then I think we'll both grow. It is a challenging thing when you let somebody in. And I hope that we're able to do that. And it's kind of a selfish pursuit, actually, that I want to drop the mask in front of the whole world. And I got to say, this podcast thing is incredibly humbling. I'm so freaking nervous because I don't know who I'm talking to yet, but I'm just putting it out there. And like I said earlier, I'm nobody. I'm just a regular guy. I don't know why anybody would want to listen to me, but I hope that they are. And I hope that we can get to know some other people. And I'm very interested to see where this goes. Um, I think that we will come together as a group. I think and hope that we will grow individually. And I hope that we can enable another Mason out there somewhere to find his path. That would be the ultimate. So with that, we'll move on to the topic of the day. It was actually a quote that I saw on the Facebook page of the Livingstones magazine. 
And it was like a picture. What do you call it? A meme, right? Or is yeah. it meme? Hey, it's meme. Okay. I say meme. All right. Anyway, I don't, I'm getting old, I guess. <laughs> anyway, the, uh, the the picture and the quote said, "It is the duty of every Mason to empower another Mason to succeed." Now, I've had a few conversations with different brothers, and I've quoted this often because it was very powerful to me. And I found some people that disagree with that, which is fine. Um, They're welcome to do that. But I think we need to draw the distinction between the word empower and enable. I don't necessarily feel that it's my duty to ensure that another Mason succeeds. But if the potential is there for him to succeed and I can assist him or put him in a better position to accomplish that on his own, then I do feel that that is my duty as a Mason. I think it's also important to separate between empowering and interfering in the life of a brother. There's a way to to be there for a brother and help present opportunities for a brother without interjecting your life or your suggestions or your help unwantingly. Mm. So, for instance, say a brother has a business and he's a terrible businessman. Is it our job to buy every product he sells? Is it our place to throw money toward him in an obligatory sense? Or should his business succeed simply because he has a quality product and a quality service? Therein lies the difference between ensuring, empowering, and enabling well, personally, I don't. I don't think that we're under any obligation to to buy their product, whatever it may be, or or support them directly in that way. I mean, if if, if their product is good, it'll stand on its own merit, and that's a good way to support. But I think there's ways to support that brother and his endeavors beyond just purchasing whatever it is that he has to sell. Well, and I think supporting a brother can go beyond just the business context as well. I mean. To me, you know, supporting a brother, brother also goes on the personal level as well as being there for them during, you know, I guess, trials and tribulations in their life and the good times and the bad. I think that's one of the things I've really enjoyed about the fraternity is, you know, I hate to say it sometimes, it almost sounds bad, but that, you know, my brothers are sometimes, I'm closer to them than my actual blood <laughs> brothers, but we have a very intimate bond and, you know, I know if something bad's happened, I'm just in a crappy mood that, you know, I can go just talk to you guys. I know that, you know, some of the uh, the lunches that we've had leading up to this podcast with uh, Matt and Nate, you know, kind of go having a bad day <laughs> at work and leave on a huge upswing. And, you know, you might not consciously know that you're supporting me, but you are actually just being there for me, being there with me. You know, actually being a brother through the process. Yeah, and that's the whole point. I mean, that's that's why we join these lodges. That's why we are in this fraternity. Um, part of what we're doing is understanding ourselves and discovering ourselves. But you can't do that by yourself. You have to have other people to get it. And no matter how much I love my wife or my family, they don't necessarily understand this thing the way you do or the way another Mason does. It's it's an entirely different experience. It's a different relationship. And so, you know, I, I, I kind of played coy with the intro to this topic, but that's where I wanted it to go secretly, is I wanted to uncover 
or expose or confess that the way we can empower another brother to succeed is on an emotional and spiritual level it has nothing to do with the physical that support and encouragement that uh that true empowerment that wasn't something i was initially expecting or seeking whenever i joined the fraternity and it's been one of the greatest surprises and benefits of having joined meeting men who care at a level that you never experience in any other aspect of life you have friends from work you have family but the men who are your brothers that level of support it's it's staggering at times yeah and that it totally caught me by surprise uh when i came into the fraternity um, not what I was expecting. I wasn't expecting anything, actually. But this was one of those things that really surprised me, caught me off guard. And to me, it's it's one of the great secrets of Freemasonry. It's one of those things that you have to experience. You can't be taught or told. You can't necessarily understand it just from relaying the idea. It's an experiential thing. Well, and I think that having those bonds and relationships are crucial for us to become the better men that, you know, Mason says we take good men and make them better. Well, I think the actual relationships and bonds are essential for that. Uh, Young talked about um, that true transformation requires a medium, that it doesn't happen on its own in the alchemical process, that you have to have a crucible, you have to have a solution of some kind. And really, I think the Lodge and the Fraternity provides that medium to have the transformational experience. Because as you were saying with your wife, I love my wife, but there's totally different, almost rawness that I can have with my brethren. I can have with my brethren. Sorry. Did you just say brethren? (laughs) (laughs) There's a certain... uh, Your Honor, let let the record reflect he said brethren. Uh, Strike that, please. That there's a certain raw quality that I can have with my brethren that it's hard to have in any other relationship. I mean, even again, going back to my actual family, it's hard to sometimes express certain thoughts, ideas, emotions, fears that you can with Masonic brethren. That, and I think a lot of that goes to the common experience that, you know, beyond just the ritual that we've all gone through it is that we all should be on a path to making ourselves better men and with a fraternity you have the um, mixing and crossing of different um, generations and you know today before the podcast I had a couple hours conversation with uh, brother Robert Davis and gain tremendous insight and there's young brethren that I'll come in contact with at the Scottish Rite who might be 10 years younger than I am and you know we sit down and just talk on a couch and also we have some deep profound you know conversations that are sometimes unexpected but that lead me in a totally different direction on my own life journey path and I think it's really important before we get too far into this um because I know my wife will listen to this. So I have to say (laughs) that I would be nowhere without her. And she has enabled, empowered, pushed me to succeed in all aspects of life. Um, This is simply one facet that she can't reach. And so I think it's really important that we find each other in that. I want to talk about how can we individually empower another Mason to succeed I think, honestly, 
90% of that is just being there for the brother, being willing to be there for him whenever he asks, hey, let's go to lunch, or even just more than that, being the one to ask, hey, let's go out to lunch, let's catch up. Let's, I think that's the best way to empower is just to be there and to listen. And why is that special, though? Why is that unique to masonry? Why have we not had that before? That's a good question. You really don't find that, or it's really rare to find that in the outside world anymore, out in the world outside of masonry. Um, it's just a really unique aspect of the fraternity, and it's, it's a shame that it's kind of lost within society outside of the walls of the craft. It's almost like maybe there's a lost art of friendship. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean you know, and I've had that conversation with people before that, you know, when I look at the friends that I really spend a lot of time with, they all seem to be Masons. And, you know, I have a busy life, I'm, you know, practicing attorney, I have two kids, so I'm busy, but I seem to always be able to find time for lunches or go over to Nate's house and have a cigar uh, after I put the kiddos to bed. And I don't know, I guess maybe that is just kind of a lost art with it. I mean, I have friends from undergrad, from law school, work friends, and I mean, I care about them, but there is this, there's a deeper bond and maybe it's just the fact, too, that with our lodge meetings, we have guaranteed encounters with each other, where sometimes with you know, other friends, you get busy with life, work, and family. And before you know it, a month's gone by, two months have gone by, three months have gone by, you haven't seen them, where maybe for us, we're guaranteed that as long as you show up to the lodge, you're going to encounter one another. I think there's one special thing that happens, though, and it is that each person that we're coming into contact with, hopefully, in our fraternity has already agreed with themselves that they're going to try to drop the mask. They're going to try to be themselves purely and open that to another person to experience. That is not owned by Freemasonry, but I'll say that prior to being a Mason, it's something that I didn't do. And I would be willing to bet that it's something a vast portion of men in the world are not necessarily willing to do. We are busy and we are fighting tooth and nail for sustenance and success in this world. And we can't open ourselves to that vulnerability. I can only do that because I trust you enough because you've done that. I think that's huge. I, I agree 100% that we all have the persona, the mask that we show to the world. And, yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the great things about the fraternity. It brings men from all backgrounds, so you have different life experiences. But, again, you can drop the mask and just be honest and kind of the raw quality with one another. And it's not showmanship, I'm trying to one-up you or that I'm better than you, but... I'm here honestly with you as just another person and I'm here to talk and learn from you and be with you as who you truly are. Mm-hmm. So that's something that's, like I said, it's, it's really rare because like I said, maybe it is because we have meetings that we have to get together in the flesh in meet space. Whereas anymore, most people's interactions are through social media and social media is nothing but one big mask. It, it's really easy to present Whoever it is that you want to be or you feel the world needs you to be through social media. And so I think we're losing a lot of true connection that way. But why do we do that, though? Is it for validation? 
We need to validate ourselves to ourselves. Society needs to validate ourselves to us. I think we're needing to validate ourselves to others. Because for a lot of people, they're, they're missing something within themselves. I think we're all missing it. I, I won't kid oh, myself, absolutely, but, yeah. Know, us in the craft, yeah. we're all missing it as well. But to have an outlet and a, uh, the tools that we receive in masonry, it makes dealing with that need for validation a little easier, um, maybe a little healthier than through just dealing with it through social media by putting up those masks. And I like that term, meat space. <laughs> I think I might steal it. Yeah. Well, I mean, that kind of goes back to the whole Masonic tenet of meeting on the level mm-hmm. where, again, it's not I'm better than you. It's we're meeting on the level, honestly meeting. We're dropping the mask, dropping the persona, and... I think with that honest quality, real friendships form because you're you're not. It's not a a show one upsmanship. I'm not trying to do something just so I get add a boy slap on my back, but just true, I guess, brotherly love. Sure. It, it seems counterintuitive, but I think because most men in the lodge come from such varying backgrounds and different ages, races, religions, it actually makes it easier to be more vulnerable and drop that mask. Like I said, it seems counterintuitive, but generally in the world of social media and within our own peer group within work, um, there's a lot of group think. We tend to be similar in age, mm-hmm. similar in ideology, and it almost becomes easier to have that mask uh, whenever you're in that environment versus being in the lodge with, with men that are so different from you. Now I will say though, that even within the fraternity, um, there, there is a potential to adopt a mask or create a new persona. Oh, absolutely. Um, and that's where I think it's really important that we empower each other to succeed by encouraging that authenticity. Well, and I, and I think as far as creating new personas in the fraternity, we all know those who are title hunters that go after every um, invite-only limited membership order and sometimes they do it just so I have an extra dues card or I can say I'm part of this. And, you know, whether or not they necessarily think I'm part of this and you aren't, it's a way to validate themselves that they are important or special. So it's our job by empowering them to succeed that we make it known that they're special, right? Everybody is special. Everybody's unique. And if you can trust me with that, with yourself that's that's the biggest gift you could ever give someone and i think that's where that instant bond comes from is even if just for a second i show you myself truly and you don't laugh you don't correct me you don't whisper you just take it for what it is well man that's that's a that's a bond that you can't break right um and then if that process can continue well, that's where the growth comes in. Well, and I think to foster those kinds of relationships, it's also important to get to really actually know your brethren mm. on, on a personal level. I think it's easy maybe to go to Lodge and you have brethren there that you see at Lodge. As soon as Lodge is over, you don't talk to, you don't email, maybe your Facebook friends. But in order to develop the deep relationships where you can empower mutually empower each other to succeed and to grow in, in your life, 
you actually have to take the time and energy to get each other to know each other outside of the lodge. And I think that's something that I've been really fortunate with, with our lodge, Lodge Veritas, that we're a smaller lodge and, you know, we really are like a family and sometimes we actually fight like family, unfortunately, but that we really do know each other. And, you know, one of our entered apprentices uh, recently turned in a paper. One of the requirements that we have for our lodge is that you learn the catechism questions and answers. And you also prepare a paper or something of Masonic value uh, before we declare you to be proficient. And in his paper, he talked about how moving it was that before he was even able to petition, we made him show up to four functions of the lodge. So we have agapes after uh, lodge, which is our dinner after lodge is posed before, like most lodges. And we invite prospective members to join our dinners. And we before their initiation, they never see the lodge. We never tell them where the lodge is. We get to know them on a personal level, totally removed from the actual lodge building itself and the experience itself. So by the time they actually reach the door of the preparation room, that is their first time they've seen the lodge, but the lodge already knows the brother on an intimate level. So while they're taking their vows as an entered apprentice and becoming part of the fraternity, we've already personally truly gotten to know this person I think we've all had the experience at some lodges where the entered apprentice, maybe one person knows and everybody's running around before the degree saying, now this is who, and make sure I, I, I know his name. Now what's his middle name. And that's something that I really enjoy about our lodge. We know the candidate prior to them ever reaching toward the preparation room. And I think that really helps the bonds of brotherhood form once they're a member and it strengthens those bonds later on. Now, one of the things that I would just like to interject is that in, in those lodges where they are maybe rehearsing his name prior to the degree, um, I think there's a, a crazy amount of trust on the part of the candidate that he would entrust strangers uh, with this journey that he's about to take. And that's where I think that as a group, we can empower another Mason to succeed in that even if we don't know him yet and he trusts us that we are going to fulfill our word, then we better follow through. And over time, hopefully a short amount of time, we do get to know him and become intimate with him on a experiential level. Well, and I I think as the lodge you know, the larger collective than the individual. When a brother comes into the fraternity, they're entering the initiatic system of Freemasonry and the lodge and the members of the lodge are those initiators. Mm. And that is a huge responsibility to undertake. I mean, you are basically taking the role of the psychopomp and taking the candidate by the arm and leading him through his transformational journey. And yeah, that's a huge amount of trust on both ends. I mean, this candidate is, you know, ostensibly entering the lodge knowing nothing about the fraternity you know and he's deprived of his senses and in an alien environment and yet he's being led around and he has to trust that brother then and he also has to carry on that trust after the degrees the initiatic experience and form those bonds that will carry him on throughout his life well that's the whole point of the initiation right yeah is is to to form that trust uh maybe with or without knowing that person um, individually. 
Well, I can say that uh, <laughs> it, I always kind of enjoyed looking back and thinking that, you know, one of my conductors during my degree was actually Matt. And, you know, kind of a special bond. And uh, he was the master preceding uh, my year in the East. So I thought that was kind of a, I don't know, fitting that we've always kind of had a bond with one another from my first time entering a lodge. So we've talked about how to empower a brother to succeed both individually and collectively as a lodge. What I'd like to talk about next is our hopes and goals as the Laudable Pursuit project, be it the website, the images, the articles, the podcast. How do we hope to empower someone to succeed through these methods? I think one of the key things is that it's a collaborative effort. We have our individual projects that we contribute, either the website, the imagery, Facebook, the podcast, but it's a collective effort as well. And I think that's interesting because it brings everybody's unique viewpoint to the project and allows, you know, for the articles, it allows the brethren on an individual level to express a topic of interest to themselves and kind of put it out in the world and refine it and get feedback from the brethren on the Facebook uh, through um, the comments on the website. So again, there's the individual and collective element. And for the podcast, you know, we'd love people to write in, write questions, write comments, and send those into us as well. And then also hopefully in the future, we'll be able to have uh, other contributors join in either in pre-recorded segments or try to figure out a way to bring them in during the recording of the podcast. So that's future. Things. So how does that help me succeed though? I think by hopefully hearing something on the podcast or seeing something on the website that you'll be the listener will be inspired to do something themselves. It'd be writing a paper or creating some art or making some music. I think oftentimes there's the assumption that if you're going to contribute to the body of masonry, it's got to be in the form of a paper and mm-hmm. not everyone's a paper writer. True. Other people have other creative outlets, ways to contribute uh, to the to the greater body. And I think hopefully someone somewhere will see something or hear something either on the website or the podcast and, and be inspired to do something themselves. Absolutely. And I guarantee you that somebody out there listening um, can do something better than I can. Oh, absolutely. And obviously uh, it being a collaborative, collaborative, it being a collaborative effort, um, we welcome all submissions of all kinds. And you can email those to editor at the laudable com. Yeah, the uh, editor at the laudablepursuit.com actually goes to me, Jason, and I check it every day. And I love, I've already engaged in some conversations with brethren from across the country and even a couple international brethren. And, you know, we love to hear from you. We'd love for you to contribute. Going back to the collaborative effort, as we discussed, Lodge provides kind of a safe medium to express ourselves and to kind of let our guard down. Well, this is kind of what the project is as well. Let her provide a safe place to express ourselves, both our individual interests as well as you know the collective group interests as well. So again, we'd love to hear from you. Um, email, Facebook, we're here. In addition to submitting contributions, you can also follow us through our website, thelaudablepursuit.com, our Facebook page, The Laudable Pursuit. We also have an Instagram account and Twitter. Well, great. I think this has been a good first episode. Um, maybe it hasn't. I don't know. I think it was. I think it will, well.
Yeah, okay. For newbies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one thing I just want to reiterate is that if people are willing to expose themselves in a genuine manner, then it's valid and it is inherently valuable. No one has to be a polished scholar or a speech writer or anything like that. The whole point of this project is to get us out of our comfort zones, to challenge ourselves, and hopefully, eventually, get other people out of their comfort zones and challenge themselves so that we can all sharpen ourselves and find that light that we were chasing. So thanks for listening to this first episode. We really appreciate your support. Stay tuned. We've got a lot more in store.